start it now? All right, so to lead off, let's talk a little bit about Zoom mm -hmm. uh, and the forum registration. So uh, we have a few housekeeping items from ABC to share. Uh, so, ever, so everyone knows, once you register for one of these sessions, then you will be registered every week from here on out, unless you let Janessa know that you want to be removed from that list. So this is like a really bad mailing list that you get to be a part of. So <laughs> it's if, not a bad mailing list, so, it's a good mailing so there's list opt, you get to be a part of. There's an opt-out situation. So if you don't want to be a part of it, you don't want any more of the correspondence, just email Janessa and then she'll but, pull you off. But the good news is, if you want to keep coming to these, you don't have to keep registering. Once you're in, you're in. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we will at every so often when we get a little noisy, we will mute all the mics. If you are muted, that doesn't mean we muted you because we don't want to hear from you. So by all means, you can unmute yourself at any point that you want to talk. And a good piece of advice we got is that once you have focused the screen and have hit the mute and unmute with your mouse, you can use your space bar to mute and unmute more easily. Another helpful piece is it, it is helpful to other folks if you share your video, so it's not a requirement for anybody. If you're uncomfortable or wearing pajamas or feeling a little scrubby, that's okay. <laughs> uh, but we, we, part of why we come here is have, having the ability to see other humans in real life besides just our spouses and our kids, so totally up to you. Uh, but we recommend you do that. It's very appreciated if you allow video. Yeah. And you can do that if you take your mouse and hover over your Zoom interface over the screen where you're seeing us talk. Then you should see a little bar come up at the bottom and that is your Zoom control bar. At the left, you can see your mic where you can mute and unmute yourself. And there's a little arrow next to it so that you can pick a different microphone if you need to. You can set which device your computer is using. And then same thing with the camera. You can pick which camera. You can turn your camera sharing your video on or off. Mm -hmm. So another ask we have for everybody is when you log in, if you could be so kind as to share your full name mm -hmm. so that everybody on the call knows who they're talking to and, and who we're interfacing with. And so we know we're not dealing with robots. Mm -hmm. And I believe even if you're already logged in, you can change that. Let me look. Yes. So uh, one thing we're about to tell you anyway is when you have that Zoom bar at the bottom, if you want to see everyone who's in the call right now, or also if you want to be able to use the yes and no buttons, mm -hmm. which we're going to tell you about in just a minute, you want to click participants on your bar at the bottom. And that will pop up a little window that'll show you all the people who are in the call right now. Mm -hmm. So if you need to change your name, if you have a shortened name or a nickname, you can hover over your own name in that list of participants and you'll see a blue more button. Click on the more button, click on rename, and that will enable you to put your full name in so everyone knows who's talking. Okay, so then the next test that we're going to run through is using the yes no function. So it's really helpful when you get a room this big to be able to quickly get a, a read from everybody in the room. In the participant function in the participant window, there's a yes and a no button. So if I could get everybody to click the yes button, uh, that'll tell us roughly how many people are on board with that. And you always get a smart aleck who says no. Usually have one smart aleck <laughs> in the group at least. Uh, if anybody's having trouble finding that or seeing that, please let us know. You can just speak up. Mm -hmm. 
22, 23, go faster. Go faster. I hear you. So also there's a, a couple other handy buttons in that interface. You've got a more button. There is a coffee cup, which you can click if you think it's time for a break, although we don't, we don't take, take breaks, breaks in this yeah. session. But you can click it to let us know you have gone to get a cup of coffee or take a break. Yep. There's also an away, and you can click that one too. And one more piece we'll touch on that is kind of a piece of news, piece mm -hmm. of housekeeping, is that uh, like with all other things technology, as technology advances, you have to be worried about security. So one thing that we're seeing a lot of in the world is when folks are using Zoom, you'll have internet trolls who just enter in random Zoom numbers and will drop in and share their... Uh, share their screen and share offensive things. Let's yeah. just put it there. Yeah, that's so, well put. <laughs> so the best practice, so this meeting is already handled because Janessa is a Zoom expert and mm -hmm. she's got us all set up. But if you're using Zoom for meetings with your team, something to be aware of is it's helpful if you use that meeting room, the waiting room, uh, ability so that you can let people in when you know who they are and there is that option that you have to use a meeting password uh, it often seems like we don't need to worry about that but that can be a great way to keep that from happening to your meetings because there are a lot of people right now a lot of teenage kids and with not much to do people just sitting around at home being bored looking to disrupt your zoom meetings here's looking at you jason with your bear and your your photo 3D barrier, we saw that. <laughs> uh, so a brief state of affairs with respect to, to news. We wanna talk a little bit about this. More information about the, uh, the PPP came out. Yeah. So generally what we're seeing at this point between the last session and now is the news is finally starting to slow down a little bit in terms of all the new pieces of information coming out. Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing now is uh, all of the things we already knew about are just starting to fill out where they're getting more information about it and uh, now kind of all the little questions that were unanswered before are starting to be answered. Starting to solidify. So in the bigger picture, if there's some piece of that that you were kind of waiting to see, like am I eligible for this loan or what's gonna happen next, how do I apply, all those little pieces, um, we'll address what we can, but mm -hmm. ultimately go look again if you were looking at that stuff last week because all of those websites have been updated, mm -hmm. especially the federal ones, they're updating all the time and we're seeing lots of new little pieces of information come out. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see actual application documentation come out. And mm -hmm. uh, another piece of news that is relevant is Washington State uh, has released a website for reporting people who are violating the stay home, stay safe order. Mm -hmm. And there are just a handful of industries in that little drop down, and construction is one of them. So if you have an essential project, just make sure that you have your stuff together and that you are able to back that up because uh, that is something that, that we're gonna be, I think, seeing more of is, again, people who don't have anything else to do other than uh, go and report things that they think are not right. Right, so the topic of today that we're going to be going into is cash flow and keeping your doors open. This is a particularly difficult time, uh, as if, as if I, I know some folks were having struggles anyway with normal cash flow management, and this is kind of a curveball that no one was really expecting to see quite so severely, that's for sure. So we have a handful of industry experts that we're going to be pulling in. If we could just get some brief introductions here. I know that we have Andrew Cates from Moss Adams. Uh, and I know that he has an early stopping point today, so I know that we're going to be uh, going to him first. Uh, Andrew, where are you at? If you could just say right a couple words. Andrew? Hold on here. Yeah, I am spotlight. Keep going. Here we go. Here we go. Right. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Here we go. Okay. Love it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then uh, next we have Terry Polyak. Terry, Hello. Where are you at, Terry? Up, 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 up over there. There you go. <laughs> there we Terry. go. Hi, Hi, everybody. So we have Terry Polyak from Insperity here to help out. And then again, we have uh, Jason Jackson. We need to find Jason. There we go. Yes. You could just. Hi, there everybody. Hi, Jason. So Jason is from BBSI. Jason, do you have a LinkedIn profile? I wasn't able to find it. So my full name is actually John Jason. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> there it is. Okay, got it. Okay, so now we know the secret. Uh, we're going to be talking about a couple of of cash flow best practices. Did we have any other any other uh, panelists that I missed? I know that we had a couple on the docket, and I'm not sure if anybody else made it, but three is plenty. Yeah, I think we're good. Okay, uh, so I wanted to talk about a couple of best practice contractor level uh, cash flow management strategies, uh, and the first thing to think about is that cash flow is separate, completely separate from, um, from profit, right? A profitable job is not the same thing as a job with a good sense of cash flow. So as we go through and we're talking about a couple of these pieces, the question is what is more important to you at this moment, cash flow or profit? Because in many situations you have the choice to trade <clears throat> one for the other. Uh, cash flow has the ability to keep you alive for today, uh, and profit is what keeps you going in the longer term, right? Um, so there are really two different pieces to talk about. Uh, accounts payable, basically where you're spending money, and accounts receivable, where you're receiving money. So it's important that you have your finger on both of those elements because it's definitely a balanced situation. Oftentimes the biggest place where we have AP, uh, accounts payable expenditure, is payroll, right? By a, let's say by a show of yes or no, how many people are concerned about payroll? Use your yes or no buttons. Yes over or no buttons. Yeah. yeah, pretty much everybody. <laughs> well, a couple who aren't, that's yeah, good. That's good. Okay, so uh, one of the, the, because this challenge is different, I really encourage business owners and leaders to think a little bit differently about accounts payable uh, and payroll. Every person who works with you and works for you has a different financial situation, and everybody has different bills. Some people own their home, some people own their car, some people don't. Uh, every, every person on your staff has a different financial need, and so at this point in time, it's really important that you reach out to them and you understand uh, what is their acute need. I know that, that there are laws that speak to this thing, and I know that uh, some of the folks, the panelists that we have on today will have opinions that may differ from mine, but I do tend to take a very practical, plain-spoken approach, uh, and I feel like this is just a, a, the number one issue is taking care of our people and making sure that everybody is whole and, and eating. Uh, so talk to your people, find out who can, who needs what, when, and try to figure out how are you able to skinny down accounts payable payroll, even if you're keeping tally of it and it's a good faith loan and all that good stuff and HR can help you sort that stuff out. But in the short term, make sure that your people are fed and, and they have what they need. Uh, the other big piece related to AP has to do with subcontractors and suppliers. And I would reach out to those folks specifically, especially with your big accounts and have conversations with them just to let, you, let them know where you are if you need some, some deferral of, of those payments or some extensions, 
Don't be too proud to ask for it. Ask what, what you can do for me. Can you help out? Is there some way that we could put this off by 30, 60, 90 <clears throat> days? Uh, and you would be shocked at how many people, if they have the ability to, mm -hmm. would negotiate, would, would be willing to work with you. So don't be too proud to do that. Uh, and then when we're talking about AR, the first step is accounts receivable. Yeah, AR accounts receivable. The first step is to verify the status of all of your AR payments or your outstanding uh, receipts. So uh, where are all of your payments at? And specifically for anything over 30 days, uh, I, would, I would be aggressive in contacting those large accounts and again, having specific conversations about it, asking them, uh, we are in a vulnerable position here, like everyone is, but we particularly would really appreciate it if you would help out and, and pay this, pay it down, uh, make whatever payment you can, even if they're issuing partial payments. Mm -hmm. That will help. Uh, if, if you owe me $100,000, I will take $50,000 if you give it to me today, and then we can defer the rest. Right, we're trying to get as much cash in our in our hands as we can at this point in time. And being aware that there are going to be there's going to be a wide array of different situations, mm -hmm. and those people that we're talking to, some of them are going to be happy to help, and some of them are going to be not able to pay. Just like we might not. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing, but it's the conversation, it's and it's that that personal connection that makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. Don't hesitate to have the conversation, and don't feel like you need to put forward a super professional front right mm -hmm. now uh, because this is times are different mm -hmm. this is different than what we're used to and everything is a little bit unusual right yeah now. and Carrie Carrie Cordes I'll call you out you're wearing your baseball cap if you're looking <laughs> for money from folks put your baseball cap on right and reach yeah. out to them and say uh, mm -hmm. look I'm just Carrie and and we're trying to keep our business running uh, what can we do to break some payments loose? Yep. Uh, another piece that comes into play are our early payment discounts or basically mm -hmm. payment discounts. If you have accounts that you're concerned about, you have reason to believe that they're going to go under or you're worried about their business or how long they're going to survive, go ahead and offer uh, a payment discount if that means that, that there's a better chance you'll actually get paid on that account. That is a, a huge issue. Uh, and if they go out of business and you took a 10% pay cut to get your money before they went out of business, that is an excellent deal. Mm -hmm. uh, so just be aware of that. And then the last piece before we turn it over to, uh, to our panel of experts, when we're talking about projects and work specifically, a couple of, of best practices here are don't be afraid to bill aggressively. So when you're putting out your, your progress payments, don't be afraid to be aggressive with the numbers that you're using. And, and accountants, close your ears. <laughs> you didn't hear this. Uh, but, but be aggressive with the numbers that you're putting out. Uh, be optimistic with the amount of work that you think you can accomplish. Err on the side of collecting too much money because cash in your pocket today could be what, what allows you to live to see tomorrow. Um, and then when we're talking about pre-construction billing or Division One billing, uh, Division One is specifically your management, your engineering, uh, your drafting, any of your, your uh, setup or, or office setup uh, pieces. Many people don't bill for this, although you are entitled to bill for this in most cases where you can bill for the time that you're spending. So make sure that you're billing for your management time, your pre-construction time, uh, bill for your submittals that you're putting together, your shop drawings. All of those components are 
work that you're doing and you're entitled to get paid for that work. So make sure that you're billing for that stuff. And then stored material is another big piece. If you have material that you've already procured that's kind of frozen, or if you're going through the process of procuring the material in anticipation for this to be lifted, then go ahead and do the extra work to get paid for that stored material so you don't have to carry it during this period. And another piece, uh, the last piece before we go to our panels is, um, don't be too proud to ask for deposits or initial payments when you're starting new work, right? Put that out there. Say we're, we're in a, a risky situation right here. We're trying to make sure that our, our jobs are lined up to be successful. Don't be too proud to put that out there to say, uh, we're requiring that all new projects make a 20% initial payment. Depending on your, your business type and business model, that's gonna vary a little bit. Um, but what all of those things will do will help increase the amount of cash that you have currently in your business. Uh, and then we can start to talk about uh, all of the other accounting pieces, the tax pieces, the loan pieces that, that our panelists are going to be addressing here. So uh, before we go to Andrew, I want to go to him first because we are, uh, are I know he's limited in time. Yeah. Um, but other panelists, did you guys have anything to add or any thoughts to that that you'd like to share before we move on? Andrew, anything? Actually, those are great points I think we're seeing that in all of our industries not just construction so it's it's candid conversations about you know upfront payments on work already happening and and being smart about your AR and, and businesses are getting in trouble to get in front of them and and negotiate so I'll I'll, I'll agree with all those great excellent. Uh, Jason Jackson do you have anything to add any thoughts there did I, did I do okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I echo the same sentiments as Andrew because we also have ARs, right? So we've reached out to some of our clients that, hey, in, in this t unforeseen times because, you know, uh, everybody's stretched and their, uh, <laughs> their business is drying up as well. So we understand that. So it's better to communicate than not to communicate. And then there was a comment earlier about compensation, right? If you are going to make changes to compensation and you interview your employees and where they're at, make sure you, you communicate up the front because yep. I do have clients that we just turned the, the new year. They were going to do the performance and, 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 and compensation reviews in Q1, and, which is their typical practice, but now that's, no, that's out the window because, you know, you, and you can stop that if it's the normal protocol, but you need to communicate to your staff, right? And do it equitably as much as possible. Yeah. Absolutely. Let Thank them know what's going on. So, Terry, did you have anything to add to? No, I, I do. Thank you very much um, and, and great job. Um, I think it's very interesting that in the future, I think we're going to all learn from the lessons today that this probably is the best way to do business, mm -hmm. which is lay it out, be honest, uh, negotiate in good faith up front, uh, and tell, ask what your payment terms are be. Uh, will be and uh, you know if you have uh, your professionalism or expertise of giving an estimate up front there is a value to that mm -hmm. your time is worth something mm -hmm. and it's probably a great idea to actually see if the market will bear you charging mm -hmm. now what what typically happens is you know oh well Joe over here isn't gonna charge me for that so you know? char charge you for what 
for an estimate, for example, or or mm -hmm. or, or a projection on on a on a on a, a project. But to me, in everything that we do, uh, there's two things. You got two hands, right? One says price, one says value. If the value one comes out in front, that makes the most sense for everybody mm -hmm. because people don't like uh, when they hear, "Oh, it's going to cost me this." but they are used to hearing that I'm used to making an investment. And that's what we're dealing with in everything that you folks do is people are investing in their home or in creating a business or a project. And so if you can get that understanding of it's an investment, not a cost, mm -hmm. is absolutely true. It's just a matter of getting your head around it correctly. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is, in the way Insperity does our business in our workforce optimization solution, we actually accrue a debt uh, during the, the during the pay periods. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're on a semi-monthly pay period from the first to the fifteenth and sixteenth to the end of the month, we don't charge you anything up front. Not for healthcare, not for workers' comp, not for anything. Uh, we just accrue the debt, and then on the 15th, we verify payroll with everybody, and then uh, everybody gets paid, and then we pull the money out of the deposited account and won't see the money for another two days, the way the banking system works. So it's a real benefit to small business to um, to work in that uh, way, because obviously, who gives you cash flow benefit? So right. it's just another way that um, we do have a unique way to do our business um, that we started 34 years ago. So, uh, Andrew, so do you do you have any update based on the new information that we have access to that you'd like to share, whether it's about the PPP or Idle Loan or uh, anything that you could provide support with? Yes, as a matter of fact. Um, and before I jump into that, I just wanted to your comment earlier about helping employees out and making sure they have, mm -hmm. you know, money in their hands and everything. I wanted to point out there's a code section 139 and I mentioned it last time and it's a, which, it's a disaster. Code? So uh, 139 IRS? Internal, yeah, internal revenue code mm -hmm. and it's for disaster relief payments and it's commonly thought of during hurricanes and floods and that kind of thing. But, uh, and there was confusion about does a state disaster declaration mean I am in, but a state didn't mean I'm not. Uh, I think everybody's pretty well settled that this entire nation is under a disaster order. Mm -hmm. And so and so really it comes down to helping employees with payments that aren't compensation. Mm -hmm. it, it's for expenses that were caused by this. And I think there's a Bloomberg article out there that's got a good list, but it's it's unreimbursed medical. It's, okay. you know, increased expenses for being quarantined at home, you know, setting up a home office. Um, there's increased, you know, cost for childcare. There's a lot of things created by this. And as an employer, you can help alleviate some of that. Um, and those, those payments aren't taxable to your employees. Right. So they, they can't be replacement of wages, but, mm -hmm. but you can, you can certainly make that move. And as long as there's the employer needs to have, you know, good documentation around why they're doing that and that those are really offsetting costs that are happening because of that. I think it's just a great, way for employers to do that if they have the resources. And so is Absolutely. there is there a specific resource that that folks could look at to get a common language yeah. understanding of what that means? You know, it's probably best to go back. The IRS ruled on this back in 2003 when they uh, 
September 11th happened actually. Mm -hmm. And so the terrorist act came out and, and um, employers were helping. And so they ruled 2003-12 uh, is the ruling. Got it. And if people want to go look at that, um, think about what that means. But it's, um, there's no dollar limits. There's not regulations on this. It's really a factual situation. Mm -hmm. And, and so we're, our firm is just taking it situation by situation. A lot of companies aren't in a position to be doing that. Mm -hmm. Other ones are. And so it's just, uh, very situational. Got it. But it's something that, you know, kind of ties into your earlier comments, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, if you're, if you're, remembering that later and you're trying to remember what it was that Andrew was talking about on our COVID-19 resources page. Uh, we've got a, a link to some more information about uh, section 139 after Perfect. Andrew told us about it last week. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently it's on our website. Yeah. It, Great. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's me managing it. So on our website, when you look at our COVID-19 resources page, there's a section that says something like, what does it say? It says, um, how do I navigate tax code related to these new laws? And inside of that section, you'll find uh, some stuff about a handful of different kind of tax codes that might apply to you. Who knew? Nice. I, did, I didn't know about that. I showed we, it to well, you when I put it up. We're all learning something new here. <laughs> it's, it's all moving pretty fast. It's true. Got it. So, um, yeah, let me, let me share a screen here if I could. Please do. And then... Uh, we can talk through a couple of things that I think are things we brought up last week and there's been developments. So um, I put together a few slides so that I could remember, <laughs> remember what they are. Um, there's really two separate provisions under the Family First Act that passed on the 18th, and that is um, the Sick Leave Act and the, and the Family Leave Act and the benefits extending under those. Mm -hmm. And the, the big takeaway here is that there's a full credit, refundable credit for any amount that you're expending under those two provisions. Mm -hmm. And so the, the mechanisms to get those, I think there was some confusion around that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And since then, there's been some clarification. So, so the way that you get it, um, the IRS released, you know, some, some FAQ. Mm -hmm. And it's really helpful. And so, and th these slides actually have links. So I'll, I'll send these to you guys and you can, you can use those links, but it's the IRS uh, FAQ and you know, you use 941, the payroll report to claim credits. And they realize that you're not going to be doing that until July because the period uh, April 1st through June 30 is the first measurement period and you wouldn't be filing for credits and mm -hmm. refunds until like July. And so instead mm -hmm. they came up with this form 7,200 and they released that, I think the day before yesterday. Mm -hmm. And that form right there is how you can file for an advance payment oh. of those credits that you're going to claim mm -hmm. on the 941s. Right. So you can see how they're, they're trying to react to these, you know, urgent situations. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that was a, you know, great clarification. They rushed that form out. There'll probably be questions around what's in that form. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I thought that was a, that's been an update since we last talked. So I think the short of what it is that you're saying is that the IRS has provision for uh, making impromptu 
taking impromptu action when it comes to making sure employees are taken care of. Uh, yep. And so there's a little bit of cover there. So even if you're making payments or, or deferring payments that, that could uh, typically be regarded as an HR nightmare, I think that there's a little more cover provided yes. here. Is that, is that fair? That is. And, and they say that in their um, FAQs, so that there's a no enforcement type behavior that's going to be going on as people kind of struggle through this. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I would point out the second bullet from the bottom here, the, the, the CARES Act that was mm-hmm. passed. That one's got an employment tax deferral um, mechanism so that when you go through this waterfall of, okay, here's my normal situation. I had to pay these extra leaves, so I've got these credits I'm going to take. Mm-hmm. Then I've got an obligation of otherwise having to make deposits. Yeah. Well, now the new act says, no, don't bother making those deposits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, right. so the, once you're through all the credits and, and you still owe something, mm-hmm. don't give it to them. Right. <laughs> so so well, I think and, it's... And, and so it's important that we're... we're keeping the focus on, on cash and liquidity, yes. if, yeah. if at all possible here. Yep. Uh, and I think the, the piece with the IRS code, that is helpful to know that, that we have a little bit of space there. Um, but, but I think that should definitely be the focus. Yeah, and if you forward those yep. links and mm-hmm. uh, your slides along, then people can find them on the ABC Resources site there's Great. a table there where people can see it and also if anybody else is participating and you want to keep any of this information just hit control print screen and paste it somewhere and uh, you could always go back to it later and, and look at it yep all right carry on Andrew great so um, so that's kind of the updates on the family first act mm-hmm. that was passed this this provision under the new stimulus act the cares act mm-hmm this is the other one that's getting a lot of discussion right now about the Paycheck Protection Program. Yeah. Yep. And, and literally by the hour and minute, the SBA has been putting out updates on this. Mm-hmm. And so what this is, is there's normal SBA type activity and then there's companies that don't qualify for that because of, and what I ran into yesterday was construction companies that were going on to websites and trying to put in SBA information and getting back the message, you don't qualify. And it was because of the dollar limits, the revenue income limits. Mm -hmm. And that's normally part of what they call, they talk about with a small business concern, Mm -hmm. which I, what they did though, is this law expanded it beyond that small business concern and basically used only employees for the threshold to figure out who qualifies. Mm -hmm. And the SBA is, is, you know, clarifying all that on their site. So, I think it was a great comment earlier about make make sure just to go to the source on these. Go to go to the Department of Labor, go to the SBA, go to their website because mm-hmm. they're they're constantly updating it. And as soon as I get done talking about this, I'll go back and look, and they'll have updated something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. But uh, but it opens the door. Mm-hmm. Um, they've and I think you mentioned earlier they've actually got an application that people can fill out at least starting to organize their information because yeah. those are then able to be submitted tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, right. Tomorrow for small businesses and sole proprietorships, people basically with employees. Mm-hmm. And then right. it's, what is it, the 10th for uh, independent contractors and self-employed individuals? Is that right? 
That sounds right. Don't hold me to it. They've yeah. got those dates out there. So yeah, yeah I believe but, that's right. But this is all happening real time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, the, and the loan period is February 15th. So looking back through June 30. And what so there's a the loan period is February 15th. Yes. What they determined to be a covered loan. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why they did that backwards is that people just applied for different loans. Mm-hmm. And I understand there's a provision that allows you to convert those to these covered loans under this mm-hmm. provision. Mm-hmm. And the reason that's important is that the old loans you had to pay back. Mm-hmm. And under this one, if they're under this provision, you may not have to. So what this means that's- is if, if on the day that King County said, hey, King County is a disaster area, you're now eligible for idle loans the SBA idle loans, which are different than the fees loans. Mm-hmm. If you applied then, and now you're actually moving through and they're about to give you your money, you can convert that to a PPP loan instead. Is that, that's correct, right, Andrew? Yeah, I think that's right. And, and again, all those kinds of answers and actions, I mean, what, what companies need to do is reach out to either the SBA lender that they were engaged with, or there's a lot of new lenders Mm-hmm. Um, local lenders that are being qualified to um, provide these loans. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so our, our, our advice is to get with your lender, <laughs> have well, them answer those questions for mm-hmm. you so that you're sure what you're you know, yeah. doing. That's the direction that we've, been, we've kind of been giving people is, especially now that this application form is out, you take that, fill it out, make sure you have everything you need, and then go talk to the bank that you have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the best place to start. So I, I always tend to be skeptical of everything. Uh, it's just kind of the Midwest attitude, <laughs> right? When something sounds like it's too good to be true, it usually is. This is a weird situation to be in, and everything kind of flies in the face of, of uh, common sense awareness. Uh, so is there any risk, and, and other folks can jump in too here, uh, our other panelists, is there any risk of kind of fly-by-night uh, folks taking advantage of people putting applications out there for lenders? Is there any, any opportunity for abuse there or anything they should do to protect against that? And if actually, if I can quickly, because mm-hmm. I actually just read something about this today and mm-hmm. they were saying that um, there will be a lot of lenders who basically are not necessarily qualified, but they're going to come and want to take your application mm-hmm. to be, to act as a middleman. So it's the best if you can, if you have a bank that you have a relationship with that was already an SBA approved lender because mm-hmm. in the interest of getting this money to people as fast as they can they've really opened up who can offer these loans mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that you're getting someone who's a reputable contact right Any so, input so, yeah, Jason. Jason. so in my area i'm in kent near kent um south south sound area mm-hmm. so what i suggested to my clients is if you have any questions on who is an approved lender if you don't know talk to your local chamber of commerce um, and and basically they will have a a rolodex for you Um, and also most credit unions are Mm -hmm. already are um, uh, 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 sba approved and most major banks are as well depending on which bank you're in well we we bank with bank of america right i'm willing to bet that they're uh, they are i have a couple clients already applied right it's the devil you know kind of thing (laughs) Uh, so, I, if there were two people on that, that I didn't recognize. Is it? Uh... Keitha and Sarah. So if the two of you can look at your chat window and you'll have a chat from uh, ABC, if you could just take a look at that and respond so we can make sure we know 
that you guys were here. Um, and then one more thing I wanted to point out before we, we move on to our next conversation. Let's see if I can do this here. Trying to share. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's see. How about that? We're still learning Zoom too. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, we actually had our first two digital classes today, so it was it was pretty exciting um, this week, and and they all went pretty well. So I just want to point out too that ABC does have a pretty robust uh, mm -hmm. information uh, link, and so just if if after the session, go ahead and take a look through it, and feel free to share with other folks. Uh, that that could have benefit from that. There's a lot of good info there. Yep, absolutely. And uh, so there's a lot of just good general information about mm -hmm. everything. Uh, but if you look at the top of that page, you'll see a little table. And any resources that our experts share with us during this session, mm -hmm. it'll be in that table next to this session so that you can get directly to it. So uh, there was a, a question, I think this was for Andrew. Can you apply for, can you apply both the PPP and the tax credits at the same time? Great question. So, so the answer is they, they do interact. And what you wanna do is be thoughtful about, because what happens is let's say you apply for the PPP and you take these credits mm -hmm. and then, you know, cause you're using the money to actually uh, spend on these, these wages and, and claim the credits, then the then the loan actually gets forgiven. Mm -hmm. Well, having the credits after not having the, the the cash come out of your own pocket would be kind of double dipping. Mm -hmm. um, if they're going to forgive the loan, then you don't get the credit too. Mm -hmm. And so and so and right now I, I think they're writing the the regulations around how that goes. But my understanding currently is if you've got the loan and you intend to spend the money on the people, mm -hmm. um, go ahead and claim the credit because it's not until it gets forgiven right. that you get denied the credit and therefore now you have a, a tax due, mm -hmm. but then it might fall under the, <laughs> the act provision that says you don't actually have to pay it. You get to defer that. Mm -hmm. So there's this, there's this interplay that goes on. But, but I think the answer is you go get the, the loans that the business can get. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you use them to keep people. Mm -hmm. And if that means that you don't have to pay for that because they forgive the loan, I wouldn't be worrying about the credit. Right, exactly. We can worry about that when we get there. Right. So another thing right. that I think maybe Andrew might have some input on that we haven't really talked about here uh, that I've been hearing more people talk about, and mm -hmm. I see in the chat, we have Carrie talking about the IDA loan and the $10,000 link, is this new provision that is a $10,000 grant related to the idle loan. So basically when you apply for that idle loan, if you kind of make it through the first round. So, so for the folks who don't know what an idle loan is, what is an idle loan? The idle loan is the economic disaster. I don't know exactly. It's who, on our Who knows the acronym? What's it short for guys? Pop quiz. Oh, good grief. <laughs> Not just wow. me. This is not a good sign. Okay. <laughs> disaster go. loan. There you go. Economic injury disaster loan is what it go. is. So this is if you're you're economically injured, right? You've mm -hmm. taken some some financial damage. So this is the one that's available to people who are in a disaster area, which is now everyone in Washington, and it's the one that is a normal SBA loan that you actually have to pay that loan back, and it's got all of those normal criteria, like you have to prove you tried to borrow somewhere else, you have to have personal 
guarantee you have to have collateral. But I think that the so, magic of this one, though, that's different is that within three days, you're supposed to be able to get access to 10 grand if you need it, which from a cash flow standpoint, that can be really beneficial. And then if you spend it on the stuff that you are supposed to spend it on, basically, mm -hmm. then you don't have to pay the 10 grand back. And if they approve you and give you the 10 grand and then they decide in kind of the later steps of underwriting that you don't qualify, then as I understand it, you still don't have to pay that 10 grand back. It's Wait, just a grant. Is, is that right? That so sounds what, bonkers What can you tell us about that, Andrew? <laughs> now you're getting into employment SBA stuff that I'm a federal tax guy. Okay, um, fair, so I, fair. I can't say for sure, but what I, but what I do is that those are questions that are being answered right now on that, mm -hmm. on that SBA site. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely go check out the FAQs. It wouldn't surprise me if the answers are already there. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And, and again, I'm sure on ABC's site, you can find information about this, mm -hmm. but also yeah. on our resource site, uh, when you look at how do I apply the, for the loans that are available to help me, mm -hmm. uh, I've got a link to an article there about that $10,000 grant that talks all about exactly how it works and what mm -hmm. it is. So Andrew, is there anything else that you would want to make sure you share with folks? I know that you have a, a two o'clock. Yeah, no, stop. I appreciate that. And I, you know, I did have one more, I'll just put this up on the screen. Um, and like I said, I'll, I'll be sharing these um, so that you guys have them. Um, the loan forgiveness provision is really just spend the money on, like what you said, spend the money on what you should be spending it on. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a good chance it gets forgiven. Yep. This is something outside of the act, um, at least a couple of these are, that I wanted to make sure everybody thought about. The first one is a quick refund of any tax deposits, income tax deposits that you made as a corporation. Don't wait. Mm -hmm. This has to be filed by April 15th. And if, and if your estimated tax deposits are going to be greater than what you think you're going to owe, which is what we're hearing in a lot of instances, go get them now. Mm -hmm. And, and this, that form is a one pager and you just say, give me my money back mm -hmm. and get that in with the IRS. Um, so that's something you can do quickly. And, you know, they, they have to process them. So it's not something you're going to get in a matter of days, but um, you know what you're going to get and you know, it's on the way. Mm -hmm. Um, the other ones are really it, are part of the stimulus package and I wanted to point them out. Mm -hmm. That employer retention credit, the 50% credit. So that kind of operates like the sick leave and the family leave credit. When you get through those and if you still owe money, then this credit will go against those mm -hmm. to reduce that number on a permanent basis. Mm -hmm. And then, which is also refundable. And then finally you get to the point where you can defer the payroll taxes. That's the third point. Mm -hmm. So, so these are all, um, you know, either immediate benefits or in the not too distant future. Mm -hmm. The last two are really, they take a little bit longer. And so it's probably lower on the priority, but these are the carry back options. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I shouldn't say that about 18, everyone's filed their 2018 taxes. And mm -hmm. for some reason, if there's a loss there, you can, you can take that and carry it back right now. Mm -hmm and get that claim filed. Yeah. Um, now there's things to think about when you're doing that because there's interactions with other tax attributes and everything. So that's really a, an exercise for you to work with your CPA and figure out what's the right answer. Yeah. Yep. But the, but the major observation here is that taxes being paid back in 18 were at higher corporate rates. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you're going to take a deduction or, you know, a loss this year. And if you carry it forward, it will offset lower 
21% taxes. Yeah. If you carry it back, it's 34, 35, depending on your situation. So, so that's one to know about yeah. after you've gotten through this first crush of how do we get money in the door? Yeah. Yep. And then well, the I, AMT credit refund that was coming anyway, mm-hmm. but what is, they, what is they shortened. Uh, that's the alternative minimum tax. That's, that's a tax that corporations had to pay. And mm-hmm. if they didn't have a regular tax, um, a lot of companies were still sitting on those credits. The IRS is just saying, okay, claim them and get them back right now. Yeah. Got it. Well, and uh, with section 2301 and 2302 of the CARES Act, we also have uh, some information about those on our resources page. Great. Anything else on the screen? Good to go? No, sir. Okay. So uh, one thing I want to, to kind of reiterate at this point is that many folks who got into the contracting business, and that's the majority of the folks on this call, didn't get into business so that they could process this type of information. This is kind of (laughs) the last thing that anybody wants to be thinking about right now in the contracting world. So uh, it it just makes my head hurt even talking about it. Uh, And and I think that that the number one priority for me would be trying to get as much cash in my pocket as I possibly can. And the second step that I would take would be talking to my uh, Mm -hmm. tax professional talking to my CPA, talking to to my financial advisor who can help me break all of those other dollars free because the complexity is such that I guarantee you will miss out on something that's happening right now. Uh, And I'd be willing to bet that even if you drop 10 grand on a CPA to help you through this process, you're likely, I mean, I think you'd be hard pressed to not be in a good position there because uh, be worth your while. I guarantee you if I did it on my own steam, I'm going to miss out way more than, than 10 grand. Yeah. So. so the way that we're trying to interact with this with our clients is basically just get your arms around the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. What are the pieces of this that I think might be good for me? And then you can go and sit down with your CPA or well, sit down with- Or virtually, virtually. Yeah, not yeah. virtually. <laughs> Actually, you can sit down with those experts and say, okay, so I heard something about this $10,000 grant. Does this help me? Or I heard something about this 2302. What does that mean? And that way, instead of you just sitting down and going, I don't know, what is there? You can kind of say, these are the pieces that seem like they might fit my situation and get more directly to what you're trying to get to. So Terry, did you have anything to add to that conversation? Very muted. Sorry, I had to get my unmute button. <clears throat> no, on, on this, uh, actually on Andrew, I had a question. Um, so my understanding, and I, I am not an expert on this, but that's why you're here. Uh, you can apply for one or the other. So the PPL or the tax deferment, but you can't apply for both. Is that correct or incorrect? Uh, I think that's right. I think you lose the one. Lose the it, one. It depends. It depends on what's the best for you. So yes, I think you're right. Yeah, because it, to me, it's like if one is going to turn into a grant, why would you just want to defer taxes because it's still oh, something you owe? Yeah. You bet. So yeah. Andrew, could you restate your your answer using a, a full statement there? <laughs> <laughs> the the. Uh, the grant, the, the paid production loan mm-hmm. um, that you can get, or the, the uh, sorry, the, the PPP. Yes, the PPP, the, the paycheck product, uh, protection mm-hmm. loan that you can get. Um, if you can convert that to a permanent benefit, 
then you then you absolutely want to do that. And and if you're going to do that, you know you have to make deposits mm -hmm. for what you might otherwise owe. Yeah. So what what we're talking about here is that uh, the other section of the CARES Act that says you can defer your payroll taxes if yes. you're stuck and you need money, and you can defer those payroll taxes until later. So if you're getting that PPP loan and they give you money that they're going to forgive because you paid your people with it, then you can't take that loan and also defer your payroll taxes. It's mm -hmm. kind of one or the mm -hmm. other. Got it. Okay. Great. Correct. Uh, so Andrew, Thanks, anything Jerry. else before we, mm -hmm. we let you go? I mean, you're welcome to stay on, but yeah, I want to make sure we don't miss life. anything. No, I think I've got a client that's anxious to hear about this very thing. So I appreciate, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Thank I you appreciate everybody's time. Great. Yeah, we appreciate having you, Andrew. Thanks. Take care. Uh, so uh, Terry, I want to go to you, and I know that you have a uh, cash flow tool that that you have for us that you want to share yeah and it's super cool and it's already on ABC's website you can get to it there if you want to download it and look at it mm -hmm. as Terry walks us through it so go ahead yep. and take the stage Terry okay so uh, how do I share my screen mm -hmm. so down at the bottom you should have a share screen it's like a little green box with an oh, there it is. okay good let me get it appropriate here so I can do this okay. Once you click on that, it'll give you a little screen that shows yep. all the different programs open, right. and you pick which one. Let me get it ready to go. No problem. So what it is that, that we're going to be looking at is uh, Terry has a worksheet, an Excel worksheet put together that's available for folks to use that will help you to calculate uh, your expected expenses and your, essentially your accounts payable and your accounts receivable so that week by week you can kind of have a snapshot of where you think you'll be. And if you have a more sophisticated tool that you can use, that's fantastic. But this is intended to help folks who, who need help right now. Okay. So oh. I'm going to share my screen in a second here. So if I get to the right spot, there we go. And I am going to share screen too. Okay. In theory, you should be able to see that. Not yet, but it should come up any time here. Maybe not. Oh, wait, hold on, one more button. <laughs> Here we go. There we go. All right, now we have it. Okay, cool. So um, uh, so it is on the ABC website, and I will make sure I, I send everything I show today um, um, also so that you just have it. But uh, Growth Force is uh, a strategic affiliate partner of Insperity. And just so a lot of you probably have no clue who Insperity is. Uh, we're a 34-year-old human resources outsourcing company. This company started uh, in 1986 as an HR company. Uh, so we're not a payroll company that became an HR company. We're an HR company from the beginning. So, uh, and we're, um, we created the PEO industry, the Professional Employer Organization Industry. Mm -hmm. And it's been very successful. It's uh, a nationwide company. This company started just like everybody else with a couple people and an idea uh, and a service or a product, whatever, uh, however you started your company. But it, our, our um, solution and our business model has been so successful, we're now a uh, $5.25 billion New York Stock Exchange traded company. And basically our own best case study in that uh, we got this successful by doing the exact same things for ourselves that we do for our clients. 
So it's everything from payroll and benefits, compliance, regulations, all the things you didn't get into business to do, mm-hmm. we do. We're a human resources outsourcing company. And it's very unique. And if you want to find out more about it, great. I'm not using this as the way to sell you anything. At this point, we're here to offer uh, resources. And there's a few that I'm going to offer you today. So I'm, um, I'm worried about my cash, Terry. How can you help? <laughs> so in this case... Growth Force is a strategic alliance partner, and they normally, if you went to their website, it would say, fill out this form, put your name, your email address, your phone number, and then, of course, somebody would call you and ask about, do you want to talk about Growth Force? I, uh, they're a strategic alliance partner, and I uh, worked out with them that I can just give this to you. So you don't have to fill anything out. It's already on the website for uh, ABC and you can download it, nobody's gonna call you. If you do want someone to call you, just call me and I'll connect. Well, but somebody might want a phone call right now. I mean, yeah. Just <laughs> talking that, to somebody. Just is to talk to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a, a managerial accounting firm uh, if you use QuickBooks. So they only deal with companies that use QuickBooks. Uh, but it's, uh, managerial accounting is really gonna help you decide what your money is going to be used for correctly and this particular uh, um, project will or, or tool will help you and create a 13-week uh, sources and use of cash flow. Mm-hmm. And there's a video here that will also show you how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to do anything yourself. It's going to show you how to work through it. Okay? That sound all right? Got it. That's good. All right. Now I'm going to show you one other thing. I'll drag it up. Um, so in Sparity, the way we do things, um, again, is, is, is so that you as an employer can focus on growing your business rather than do all those things that you didn't get into business to do. Uh And I'm going to share and I'll put it, give it to, uh, to Wendy to put up on the website, but it's a, uh, a PowerPoint and I should say a webinar, which is really going to walk you through everything and and has the application and everything else but if you want to look through it i I think it's very helpful as well and i'll 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 get that and put that up for you as well and i'll send it over to wendy okay and then uh on an ongoing basis there are blogs uh all kinds of things on how to manage people one of the things i will send to wendy Uh Uh, Normally, our clients, uh, and I'm going to open it up for everybody, is we have over 3,000 Skillsoft courses in our our learning portal, Uh and there are great things in there. For example, uh, you may need some cross-training at this point with your workforce, Uh Uh, and so there's a lot of tips in there. The 3,000 courses are everything from, you know, how to do um, managing or sales or whatever, but there's also a lot of things on COVID-19 and it's right up front. So uh, it's good for um, the month of April. Uh, it's a, a username and password and it just will you know, vanish after April 30th. Yeah. Uh, and then if you want it again, or if I can help in any way, just certainly let me know. Got it. Yeah, training is definitely good right now. Yeah. It's a good way to keep our people busy. Okay, so, uh, so did you have anything else to contribute with respect to cash flow? No, Aww. I am not an accountant, but I, that's, <laughs> I think the best thing that I can do is to share the tools that I have uh, through mm-hmm. Growth Force. 
and uh, and they can help you if you need to speak to them let me know and i'll do the introduction for you mm -hmm. so somebody isn't just going to call you randomly got it appreciate it uh jason do you have anything else to contribute at this point regarding cash flow um not really but i do want to expand on what you were saying earlier as far as all the options or levers as i look at them right now the loans right uh one of the comments earlier that made was made by andrew that Section 139 that was mentioned, mm -hmm. um, which is a great thing that I learned something today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> be mindful, and I think this is where people like Andrew comes into play, is when you pull that lever, right, and you pull the PPP lever, you got to be careful and be mindful. In your, uh, on, if you're putting money in the Section 139, that may not be applicable to the PPP, right? Mm -hmm. So, and as, uh, as you were saying earlier is, you have to understand what levers to pull and what questions you might want to ask as it pertains to your business and how you're planning to use it. Because mm -hmm. I know in our last session, somebody asked about overtime, right? And even right now, we're still trying to figure out what does what counts as payroll codes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we have some identification right now, but not everything is in there. Like bonuses, are those going to be uh, mm -hmm. you know, applicable? I don't know yet for a fact. So as these things are still constantly evolving. That's why your financial person is very critical in this. So I don't recommend making a decision without conferring with a financial person. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, absolutely. Got it. So we have a question, uh, another question about the PPP. So uh, this question is from Zach at Exact Electric. And he says, don't you have to maintain the same number of employees June 30th as currently? Uh, and his bank actually said September 30th. If you get a loan and pay eight weeks of payroll and things are still down at the end of that time, you would then have to maintain payroll out of pocket in order to get loan forgiveness, correct? Even if no billable work is happening due to COVID-19. I think that is correct. I think that you, if you basically, if by June 30th, uh, and I have not heard the September 30th date, mm -hmm. but if by June 30th, you don't have the same number of employees and they aren't making the same amount that they were making, then you will have to pay some of that loan back rather than get it forgiven. Uh, and I know that another new piece of information that I just saw recently is the interest rate for paying that loan back, they had mm -hmm. said no more than 4%, mm -hmm. and now I'm hearing 0.5% is what they're actually rolling out with. Uh, so it is true that, and it, from my perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you can lose some of that forgiveness if you can't maintain that mm -hmm. all the way through. Um, but also, if you, what, if you, uh, if you can't bring them back, then you just have to pay the loan back, which is not necessarily the end of the world. Well, it's kind of a killer loan rate mm -hmm. uh, that most people don't have access to. We actually spoke with a client of ours who had higher payroll last year than they do this year. Mm -hmm. And they're actually looking to increase the size of their business and build out a division of their company right now, mm -hmm. which is kind of a unique opportunity in some cases. And Carrie Cordes makes a good point where she says, I would think they would extend the program in that situation. So mm -hmm. if June 30th comes and we're still all down for the count, mm -hmm. you would think that they would be responding to that and that you would see it extended. But the, it is the true that federal government? Yes. But it is true that we don't have any guarantee yeah, we that that's going to happen. Yeah. Anything I, to add to that, Jason? No, I, mean, I agree. I mean, there is a possibility. I think we probably heard that there is another legislation potentially coming, but that's still on 
hold because we need, we haven't found out what the impact of the CARES Act is. Yep. And the FFRCA it just went to effect two days ago. Yes, yesterday. yesterday. I'm, already, I'm, I'm already losing track of the days. But it's just one of those things that it's a wait and see approach right now, I think. And but I, I, I concur with what Carrie has mentioned is from my experience, there is going to be potential changes. What those changes are, I don't know. Right. Yep. Yep. A lot of this is still still changing every day. Well, and, and the most shocking thing to me is the number of people that we talk to who have no idea what the CARES Act even is. Mm-hmm. Uh, no idea that it exists. And we're talking to our kids about it. And they said, really? Mom, dad, like people don't know about it? Because uh, they're, they're living with us working yeah. at home. So they're hearing about it literally every day. Right. Uh, I have one client who said, I want to kiss you. Uh, <laughs> you said virtually, of course, but, virtually. Uh, you know, uh, and it, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't make it, but the question is always, how can we promote that information and share that information with other folks? And in this forum is one way that we can help do that. So I really appreciate everybody contributing to it. So do we have one other thing I wanted to just add to that mm-hmm. conversation is that it's also true that uh, when we talk about paying that interim cost of keeping those people. So we, we pay them for eight weeks. The uh, CARES Act does, the PPP does that for us. And then there's that concern that whatever we have left between the end of the eight weeks mm-hmm. and June 30th, mm-hmm. that's on us. Um, but I believe the way that the PPP works is as long as we bring the people back by June 30th. Mm-hmm. So if we can't keep them that time, if we have to furlough or have to let people go, mm-hmm. and then we bring them back before the 30th when things hopefully pick back up again, uh, then you're still going to be eligible for that forgiveness. And I think the key there is that yeah, 70... Jason nodding, so I'm good. <laughs> that 70, we'll just keep you around and just have you nod and everything. That'd be great, Jason. Uh, but He's my I, hype man. Yeah, that's right, hype man. Uh, but that 75% threshold, I think, is the important number to pay attention to yeah. with employees. So, so Jason, could you just reiterate what that means? So basically, I mean, the 75% of your workforce, right, or your, the people in your, in your company, mm-hmm. um, that's, a, that's a thing to maintain as far as a threshold to, in order for eligibility comes into play. For forgiveness of the people. For forgiveness, exactly. Yeah. Now, of course, after June 30th, and I don't know what happens, how this long goes, right? The whole rules of the game can totally change. Yeah. <laughs> but right now, as we know it, we're playing by that number. Mm-hmm. So abide by that number don't anticipate any changes until you hear something um uh, but at the same time as you were saying is 75 percent of your workforce has to be in place mm-hmm. in order for you to be eligible for the ppp loan forgiveness because the whole intent of the ppp is to kind of re restore what we had before this whole thing happened mm-hmm. so cash flow from my uh, whole economy goes go uh, keeps on going mm-hmm. that was the intent yeah. So it's kind of counterintuitive that you pay your people, you know, for just, if you have to, uh, pay your people or sitting at home mm-hmm. <laughs> for doing nothing. But that's the whole intent of it, right? Well, yeah. and I think, I think this is a really difficult thing for construction people to get their head around. Right. In particular, because construction folks are all about the only way that you get a paycheck is through sweating and mm-hmm. hard work. And, and, you, and that's how it was in my day, that's and that's right. how I got here. And, and this is very, very counterintuitive to the culture of construction. Right. Uh, but essentially what's happening, and it makes sense why it's put together this way, is this is a gigantic pause button that, that the government is trying to put into place to say, we're just going to pay everybody 
to have a pause. We're all going to pause. We're all going to pretend like, I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could pretend like this time didn't happen, but we're just going <laughs> to pause and pretend like uh, this didn't happen and we'll see you all in two months and, and right. we're going to have to pay for this over the next decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, as in, a country. As a country to, to recover the $2 trillion or whatever it is. Right. Uh, but I, I think that that's a hard piece to get your head around from a business owner standpoint and just from a working person standpoint uh, who, is, who is kind of salt of the earth type. Um, so any, anything else that Terry or Jason, you would contribute? I want to open up to questions if anybody else has any yeah. questions. On so I, I, I agree with, uh, with uh, Jason and everybody that has talked about this. Which, but which, which Jason? Yeah. Which, which <laughs> Jason? Both Jason's. <laughs> Jason squared. There we so go. The idea of this whole thing, in my understanding, is, is really to keep everybody employed. Yes. Now, quote unquote, air quotes, employed, mm-hmm. right? So the idea is, yes, you're employed. No, you're not doing the work that you normally have been doing, but you're still employed. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's going to be interesting for the companies that have already laid off people. Now, the idea is in order to get that uh, grant, they actually have to bring them back, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, which is happy news for everybody because all those families are suffering. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it's uh, I think it's a it's a great experiment, you know. This is akin to uh, a universal income, right? Mm-hmm. That's been tossed around, uh, you know. From Andrew Yang, saying, right? Yeah, yeah, Andrew Yang, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been done as an experiment in in um, in different countries, and actually in some state in the United States is actually done uh, as well in in this particular city. So, but at this point, it's a, we're in all our survival mode. We really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, these dates are all arbitrary when it comes to, okay, you know, you're going to keep moving the, the goalpost down. Because if you told everybody right now, you got to stay put till September, not very many people would be very easy about that, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's kind of like, how do you eat an elephant, right? Uh, one bite at a time. So mm-hmm. it's okay, we're going to extend it for two weeks. Two weeks goes by and it's like, oh, we're going to extend it for another two weeks. So it's like, like the money pit with uh, yeah. Shelly Long <laughs> and weeks. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So I think, we, I think we all have to get used to our new normal for now. And, and uh, but I think long-term, everybody is going to be able to communicate better. Everybody's going to be taking care of each other better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like God said, go to your room and think about it, you know? Play games with your kids. Yeah, exactly. uh, but I, I think one of one a unique way to think about this challenge, though, is that employers have the ability to do something that employees don't. Employees have the ability to take out this PPP and and improve the situation of their employees. Many business owners don't even know about the details of the PPP. And I guarantee you far fewer employees know about the PPP. So in, in this case, if you're the business owner and you, you play your cards right, you will look like a, a superhero. Be a hero for figuring this out and figuring out how to keep everybody afloat. Because they know even less than you do typically. Uh, and this is just a really great opportunity to make sure that our folks are taken care of. And it's an opportunity for them to know that we care about them. Yeah. Well, you know, now more than ever, human capital or human capital management matters, right? Mm -hmm. 
So how companies manage their new remote workforce, you know, yep. and keep the momentum going, the culture going, mm -hmm. and everything that is involved with human capital management yep. is a challenge. And so there's a constant need right now. I mean, the level of um, attention that uh, HR has gotten is is fantastic mm -hmm. because for, for so many years, people uh, think of HR as, oh, yeah, that gets handled by so-and-so. And somebody Not else. As, yeah, it, it gets handled. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely gets handled one way or the other. Mm -hmm. But just like culture is either by default or by design, mm -hmm. and companies that are most successful are going to do it by design, yeah. not by default. Yeah. Right. And if you have employees that uh, know they're taken care of, well trained, have a succession plan, mm -hmm. know where they're going, uh, guess what? They're going to give you discretionary time which means you have higher productivity and lower turnover. Yeah. So that's the goal of every company, whether they have the time or make the time in order to do that is where, uh, you know, companies like Jason's, the other one, and, and mine come into play. Yeah. So I, I want to open it up to, to the floor, the folks that we have here. Does anybody have any questions that, that you'd like to Put to our panelists or uh, something that you're struggling with regarding cash flow specifically so that's the focus yeah let's start with cash flow questions and mm -hmm. then if we get to the end of any of those and we have time left then we can open a floor up to any questions mm -hmm. so cash flow specific questions I see someone used a no <laughs> we got a no I nice. know feel pretty good that's a good deal Jason I have a question yeah, go for it. This is Nigel Starr with HST Construction. I'm just curious if anyone's heard how long PPP or how long it will take for PPP cash actually to hit bank accounts for use. Mm -hmm. So I know when they, the day that the law passed, there was a webinar through the Department of Commerce. Mm -hmm. And in that, the gentleman who was talking about the bill and talking about the law uh, had said that he imagined that we could see money coming out as quickly as three weeks after the date of the application. Mm -hmm. uh, there was still some uncertainty as to whether that was achievable or not, but that was the, I know that that was the hope at that point in time. That was a week ago now, so mm -hmm. 10 years ago in quarantine time. So anybody <laughs> have any other thoughts on, on how quickly that money could get in our hands? That, that was my understanding as well. So maybe, maybe around the 1st of May, something like that, we might be able to see the funds if we get our applications in right away. Mm -hmm. So okay, Jason, thank you. did you have uh, input there? Yeah, that's what I was hearing also from certain certain uh, financial lenders that I work with, uh, that mm -hmm. I like Timberland Bank and, and in the South End. So two, two to three weeks as far as this, that's concerned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. Yep, the, the trick is getting uh, the application in and getting, getting in, in the queue, right? Yep. Also important that we get on these applications as quickly as possible because basically there's a pool of money there and once that pool of money is gone, then it's gone. So it's very much a first time, first serve situation. So even though they say the deadline is June 30th, you mm -hmm. have to apply by June 30th or else the window closes, that money may very well be gone long before June 30th. Mm -hmm. So get on it as soon as you can. And aren't there two different application dates for PPP? Yeah, we were just, we talked about okay. that with Andrew. So mm -hmm. uh, it's the, let me pull it up and make sure I have the right numbers in front of me. Jason or Terry, are you familiar with the two different application dates? I believe the application opens April 3rd, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then the deadline is April, I'm sorry, June 30th, as far as that's concerned. And any idle loans that you've already put into place, definitely speak to your 
uh, I don't know what they call them, like long, long officer that you're yeah. working with to repurpose that to a PPP if you are so inclined. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah, go ahead and share the screen. So the other important date here is that if for most of the people on this call, likely you will be part of that April 3rd group. Uh, if you are a small business, you're a sole proprietorship, either of those, then that April 3rd is when you can make that loan application. Mm -hmm. But for independent contractors and self-employed individuals, uh, that's actually going to be April 10th. They're kind of holding those, those businesses up a little because they're not really paying. The, those are the businesses that aren't really paying payroll. So mm -hmm. they're saying, if you want to apply for this, you can get some help too. Uh, but that is April 10th. So anyone who's kind of a, a carpenter who just does work for himself, someone, <laughs> there you go, someone who just does work for themselves and doesn't really have a team that's an independent contractor or a self-employed individual, mm -hmm. uh, you have to wait till April 10th to apply to kind of make, make a little extra room for those companies that really need it for the payroll. And so Jason and Terry, if you could, at, at, when you get a second or a breath, contribute to these dates, we're just trying to, to put all of the dates together that are relevant uh, to make sure that folks don't miss out on these things. That would be really appreciated if there are critical dates that you're aware of that uh, people need to keep their finger on. That important things need to happen by. Good. Okay, did we have other questions from, from all of the participants here? Anybody else? How about a sign of yes or no? So we have a question here. Is it? Okay. Would PPP be applicable for underemployment payroll coverage? Example, employees are only working 20 hours a week mm -hmm. and receive unemployment benefits for the balance. Could PPP cover that unemployment portion, therefore giving the employees better wages than ESD payments? I thought this had to do with the 75% threshold. Is that, is that right, Jason? Right. What, you're, what this scenario is virtually doing is double dipping. Mm -hmm. um, so the intent of the PPP is to restore your employees to to what it was before. To their full, to basically right. pay them 40 hours a week. So what I anticipate, again, based on this scenario, if this is applied, you could, I don't, again, I don't know what the government's agencies will do, mm -hmm. based on the rules that I know them today, should not be combined together. Mm -hmm. PPP and ESD and all that stuff. So it's, again, 100% of their restoration of their wages, which mm -hmm. takes away ESD mm -hmm. into the equation, and, and, it's, and that's it. <laughs> um, so then, so then you wouldn't want them to file for unemployment or partial unemployment during Correct. that period. You would want to go full into the PPP or full into the unemployment. Right. 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 So when, when the question, when, with the question, could PPP... PPP cover that unemployment portion, therefore giving the employees better wages than ESD payments, the answer would be yes, you'd give, it, give that to them instead. You would give them their 40 hours as covered by the PPP and, right. and get ESD out of the picture. Right. Yeah. Is it, Donna, do you, wanna, do you wanna interject here? Right, that's what I was trying to, to get across. Can I drop the unemployment portion and pay my guys the 20 hours that I do manage to get them working because we are an essential business on certain projects and the rest could be covered with the PPE. Uh, well, so the PPP would be intended to cover the whole, mm -hmm. the whole 40 hours. Yeah, so you would, you would pay them for 40 hours and that would mean that they're working for 20 hours and not working for 20 hours. And then if, if you play your cards right at the end of the, the time period, then that loan would be forgiven under the PPP, right. Yeah. right? And then they would have done 20 hours of productive work uh, 
that you made profit for and uh, you essentially didn't have to pay for it because it was forgiven. Is that, is that fair, Jason? Yes, so I understand exactly. So what you're talking about is the other 20 hours that as under PPP, you can apply that PPP dollars towards that because that 20, 20 hours that you're under the PPP is foreseeable, uh, that can be forgiven through the PPP program. Mm -hmm. So in essence, your, your situation now, I understand it better, is yes, it's cor correct. So we have a question from Stephanie of Prosser Construction. What if you have staff on unemployment right now? Can you put them back on payroll and apply for PPP? Correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but it's a thousand times yes. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. Just as long as you do recall, so apply for the PPP, find out how much you get applied for, and then recall them by June 30th. Yeah. But, but the number of dollars that you spend between now and June 30th on payroll is directly related to how right. much of that money will be, will be turned into correct. a grant, yeah. right? That is so, correct. Okay, so, can you hear me? I took myself off mute. Yes. Yeah, go for we it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat as the other gal that just spoke where I'm paying some staff, like cause some of our work is essential also where I'm paying you know, 16 hours, two days a week to go do the essential work and then unemployment for the rest, but they're not getting hardly anything, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it would be nice to be able to do that. I didn't understand the PPP, but this helped a lot. <laughs> yeah, so it's, and you can, if you missed the, the last session we did on Monday, you can go mm -hmm. to our website or ABC's website and, and rewatch that whole thing where we go into more detail about PPP and okay, I'll do that. Yeah. FCRA. But the short of it is that, yes, you can pay your people to sit home and, and the government will reimburse you for that. Mm -hmm. Which is okay. it's a weird, weird deal, but that's that's <laughs> where we're at. That is the deal. I, I thought I thought the world couldn't get any more weird than it is, but here we are. <laughs> um, I had this is Donna again. Yeah, I had one more comment. Uh, isn't that a little unfair to uh, get the government to reimburse you for money that you're potentially getting paid for your customers for? No. Yeah. So, no, so okay. this is, it's, it's a weird deal. And, and again, we are all going to have to pay for this. So this isn't money that was just made out of nothing. It goes to the national debt that, that we have to pay. Uh, so it'll, it'll be reflected in taxes. And, and if you skip out on this, then what it means is that your, your company and your people are going to be in a worse position than everybody else. So what this does is just uh, we, we all rise together or fall together. Uh, with with the sea uh, level here, so it's important that we're advocating for our businesses, and the better position that you are in at the end of this, the better you'll be able to recover and position to to provide the great service to your customers that you do now. Oh, well, and that's really the intent of it is to keep everybody afloat because if we all go under, then it's not good for anyone. So yeah, you will benefit some from having done that work and getting reimbursed for it. But in the bigger picture, it's better that everyone stays afloat and that we keep all of our people uh, in their homes, paying their bills, getting fed, all yeah. of that. And like I had shared with you, we talked to a client this week who is positioning to create a new division of his company uh, because he had had higher payroll last year. That gives him the ability to have more cash to burn through this period of time. So he, and, and he does perform essential work. 
so he can build his business in this period of time and materially benefit from it. Well, and be able to do more essential work because mm -hmm. that's the other part of it is if your people are working, because that's really the question, right? Mm -hmm. When people are working and I'm getting paid for it, then am I not benefiting more than other people whose people are sitting at home and mm -hmm. need this coverage? Yep. But the truth is if you're doing essential work, we want to support you doing that and get you doing that because people who are out there doing things like building hospitals, mm -hmm. we need that. Right and, now. and if you're emotionally having a hard time with profiting at this time, take all your profit and donate it. There are a lot of great ways that you can spend it to, to contribute to society. That's great. Uh, so we had a, a question, I think it was from, go ahead. So the amount to be forgiven, so we this have some first. questions. Yeah. yeah, so I keep seeing the eight weeks of payroll as the cost that can be transferred into a grant. I also hear June 30th mentioned a lot. Mm -hmm. So as I understand it, there are really two pieces here. And the one piece is that the amount you can borrow is equal to two and a half times. And this is, I see an answer here, the same, same thing. Two and a half times your average payroll, which generally speaking, we're going to take from 2019. Mm -hmm. and say whatever your average monthly payroll was in 2019, two and a half times that, that's what you can borrow. So that's your maximum loan amount. Mm -hmm. And then... I believe it's between now and June 30th, mm -hmm. however much of that money that you spent. So if you spend all of that money just on payroll and mm -hmm. nothing else, then basically that's all going to be forgiven as long as you kept your people, as long as you kept your people up to their full wages. Yeah, above the, above the 75% and, and yeah. under the $100,000 per person uh, salary yeah. limit. There's, there's a bunch of math to it. And again, you absolutely should understand that math before you proceed with the program. Mm -hmm. But ultimately what it means is if you spend all of it on payroll, then all of it will be forgiven. Mm -hmm. So Terry, Jason, did we get any of that right or wrong? No, I concur. Okay. Yep. And then there was a question yeah. from Carrie yeah, also so related to mortgage, interest, rent, utilities. So there are specific pieces inside of the PPP that that are specifically included and forgivable up to i think it's 25 percent mm -hmm. of that whole loan amount mm -hmm. so there's a p yeah only 25 percent of that money can be spent on other utilities that are not payroll mm -hmm. and still be forgiven for most folks payroll is the biggest piece of the pie uh, that that is being addressed here yeah good uh jason Jason Lang asking, anyone know how the loan works? If you apply for it, do you get the whole amount or is it uh, a letter of credit? No, I think you get the whole amount. Is that right, Jason, to the best of your knowledge? That is my understanding as of right now. It's basically a cash mm -hmm. influx. Mm -hmm. So yeah. a letter of credit would, uh, basically a line of credit, um, is not the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it would just be a, a check. Just get a so check. In the same way that there are checks being issued or or process right now for individual, uh, what, Americans based on your 2018 yeah, tax returns or something yeah, like that? Yeah, $1,200. Yep, so those are being processed and those will be sent to everybody. Um, in the same way, that's just a cash payment. That's just money that shows up, uh, but obviously you have to apply for, for this. And ultimately, if you took it and you spent it on, say, let's say I did spend it all on my bills, my mm -hmm. business bills, but not my payroll at all, mm -hmm. then it's not a problem. It's just that, that most of that will not be forgiven. It will then be a loan that you mm -hmm. pay back. Yep. So, Aaron, do you want to clarify what it is that you're sharing here? Yeah, I think, I mean, from our point of view, if you take that lump sum, we'll just use a round number, say we borrow. 10,000 and at the end we only needed 9,000 yeah we would 
keep the extra thousand and just apply for the credit to the nine. So it works out. Like it doesn't really so, make a difference. Well, so then you have to pay. Right, so he's saying so thousand dollars of it just doesn't get forgiven. Right. But that's okay. But, but then I, it's a low interest. Right. It's a low interest loan, or you could just pay or the money back. Pay right that there. Right. I have. That's yep. what I'm saying. I have the money right there to pay it back. Yeah. Yep. Here you go. This is the part that I owe. And so, right. so the, and the key you have, here though is that this topic, the topic of this forum, is cash flow. I would always rather have more cash just sitting here, yeah, not yeah. knowing what to do with it. And then you can hand that back yeah. if you don't need it. And keeping in mind that payments on these PPP loans, if you are going to have amount you have to pay back, mm -hmm. are deferred by six months. So that means you can hang on to that money and get yourself through. And then at that six months, that's when those payments will start kicking in. Right. Uh, so Karen Larimore was asking if you have an employee working for 20 hours. Uh, PPP the other 20 hours. So in this situation, it, it doesn't really yeah. matter. It's so, all the same. Yeah. So when we, when we keep talking about can we PPP things, basically ultimately what's going to happen is they're going to give you money. You can spend that money on whatever you need to spend it on, and then they're going to ask you for documentation. So they're going to say, what did you spend on payroll? If this, this is like turning in your receipts to your, to your accountant or to your, your mm -hmm. uh, what, accountant, financial folks. What did you spend money on? What was reimbursable? What was expensable? Mm -hmm. This is the same thing where, where you get cash and then they want to see receipts mm -hmm. for where the money went. So if you pay them 40 hours a week, then you tell them that you spent that amount of money that you spent paying mm -hmm. them 40 hours a week and that amount will be forgiven on the loan. Yeah. Jason? So this is where your payroll re record keeping comes into play. Mm -hmm. So I strongly recommend you itemize that you know, 20 hours of real hours worked on an assignment A, mm -hmm. and then the 20 hours based on the PPP, basically on stand, I don't know how, I don't know how you want to code it. Non-productive. Yeah. Non-productive, there you go. Yeah. So that will be a justification also, you partner with your accountant, right, mm -hmm. in regards to making sure that your books are clean, because at the end of this all, uh, at the end of this, I don't know what the process is going to be like to make sure that you account for all of this. So right. your preparation now, as you process this is as important as when you go down six months down the road when somebody comes calling and you know it's time to pay up kind of situations that's yeah. gonna happen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it is true that there's not a lot of information out there yet about exactly how we are going to provide this proof. Mm -hmm. Right now there's a lot of just kind of good faith saying we're gonna ask you these questions and you will have answers. So this is a great time to track everything we can. Because mm -hmm. if we track more detail than we need and it turns out later that we didn't need to track that, it's better to have that than to have not enough detail and not be able to just, substantiate. Just like daily things. reports. It's just like uh, daily reports. So just to clarify, Jason, uh, what about the health insurance or retirement benefits? The, the expenses, are those considered as part of payroll? How does that work? Those are considered as part of the loan forgiveness portion of this. So they should already be itemized in your books. Mm -hmm. So if they're not, would recommend start doing that if you're going to apply for the PPP loan, if you do offer any of those. Yep. Um, so you can account for that because it goes towards your loan, your loan forgiveness. Yep. And it. if you go look it up, it was actually on the PowerPoint that Jason showed us. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a whole list of which pieces of payroll mm -hmm. do count toward that forgiveness portion and which do not. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is something that you can find fairly easily and be able to see uh, kind of what parts of payroll qualify. And it's yep. pretty much it's pretty much everything. Yep. And uh, what is this question, Eduardo? So, well, so what about owner draws? Yeah. So, so this is basically the owner's income. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Jason, what about an owner draw? So, so let's, let's say, go ahead. Let's think that through, though. 
um, order draws are, does it go through payroll? Mm -hmm. it often doesn't. Mm -hmm. So therefore it's not considered as payroll. Yep. So then would you <laughs> make the owner an employee? Uh, <laughs> well, they weren't an employee before, before February. Exactly. Right. So, so that's a tricky one. So definitely, if you're going to do that, proceed with caution. Yeah. But my understanding is, no, it's not going to be, re it's not retroactive. So yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things. So Got apologies it. for that one. Yeah. Oh. Well, so that's, yeah. So this is the question that I, I have not heard much about. How would this work for independent contractors? What benefit do they receive? So for independent contractors, does this just work as a loan that none of it gets forgiven? Is that what that looks like, Jason? You have any thoughts? That I'm not sure about because I don't really deal much with 1099s, but mm -hmm. it is increasingly uh, becoming a to uh, topic of question with my clients because my clients do hire 1099s. Mm -hmm. yep. So I have well, to table that one and get back to you on that one. And, and I know that 1099s can file for unemployment, which unemployment is not the PPP loan, right? But they, may, they were very clear that uh, independent contractors and mm -hmm. self-employed individuals can apply for the PPP. Mm -hmm. Again, the best of my, my guess, and I've been looking for more information on this, but the best of my ability to parse, it looks right now like you would be able to borrow money, mm -hmm. um, but because you aren't spending anything on payroll, that mm -hmm. there would be no forgiveness portion. That's, right. But again, that's just a, right now, that's just a guess. There's very little specific guidance for those yeah. people right now. I think uh, it, as it moves ahead, you'll find that the gig economy workers, so those that are independent contractors, are, are in effect their own business. Mm -hmm. um, they're either sole proprietors, or they may turn have an S corp or whatever they do for their uh, for their corporate entity. Um, they're going to be eligible, and I think it's going to be the same type of rules of forgiveness mm -hmm. because they're in the same boat as everybody else. Right. Just that uh, you know they weren't gainfully employed, quote unquote, by an employer. Mm -hmm. My, my right. daughter is a good example of that as she's a, in the performing arts. She's a violinist, violist, and she gets hired all over the world mm -hmm. to go play. Um, and so she has her own corporation. But so now she can't go anywhere, can't make yeah. money, can't play. Mm -hmm. And so she'll be able to uh, create the uh, and, and apply for a PPP. Right. But I guess my question, the question that I've been still trying to find the answer to is if it's generally just payroll that is forgiven and those people don't have payroll, what gets forgiven? Yeah. But so they would show income, uh, right. obviously, because they're going to have a, a check coming from, you know, the Seattle Symphony, for example, or something. Right. So it would just and be their self-employment And they can income. average, just like everybody else, do an average from, you know, certain dates to certain dates. Yeah. Got it. Uh, and if anybody's looking for something to do with your hands or want your employees to, to have something, something to work on, we do have our training sessions that we're running. Uh, we had, uh, what, two classes yesterday. My eyes are still sore from doing that. <laughs> uh, but yeah. It's fun though. Yeah. Uh, so anything else? Do we have any other loose end questions that we haven't, haven't addressed? We have a, a question about administrative salary staff actually working can you get that portion forgiven so I, jason input from you but i feel like they're forgiving us for what we spend on wages regardless of whether mm -hmm. those people are working or not is whether that they're true? working and kind of regardless of position that is correct just as long as they're the w-2 employee mm -hmm. uh, running through payroll which w-2 hours uh, 
and regardless of the classification within your organization, mm -hmm. it's all under, under that bucket. And, yeah. and I said uh, to, to company owners, if you have some scrapbooks that you want them to work on, like, <laughs> go ahead and you know, ship that stuff out to them and let them just work on the pictures and what have you. Uh, right. Uh, so before we get yeah. to the end, I, I was uh, requested from ABC that we let you guys know they have a legal action committee course on bid mistakes mm -hmm. and bid protests with Bob Marconi from Ashba Beal. And that is on Wednesday, so next week on Wednesday. Uh, and you can register through ABC Westwall. That's Wednesday at 11.15 a.m. to 1.15 p.m. Uh, you can register through ABC Westwall or you can email Janessa to register mm -hmm. for that. Um, and then what about this other announcement? Uh, which other? Oh, this is the another webinar. Yeah, it looks like a yeah Friday. That's this Friday mm -hmm. tomorrow. Is that right? Is it Thursday? It is <laughs> yeah, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. So tomorrow, uh, Friday, if you would zoom up so I can see it. There we, uh, go. There we go. It's in the chat, but there is another, uh, let's see, assessing your loan options under the CARES Act. And that's tomorrow at well noon Eastern time, which is, help me do the math, guys. What is that here? That's 9 a.m.? 9 a.m. 9 a.m. So, and that's an AB, it's not an ABC webinar, it's hosted by Fox Rothschild LLP, but it's just a resource that ABC's making available. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you can get more information about that on ABC's website. Okay, so any other, any other questions before we close out? I feel like we got through a lot of information. I know that uh, a lot of people are just struggling with the concept mm -hmm. that we should keep people working and pay them to stay at home not working. But again, let's just to be clear, mm -hmm. so the FFCRA is dealing with this whole conversation of people who aren't working. Mm -hmm. But the PPP, that is just payroll. It's paying our people. So people who are working, people who aren't working, if we're keeping our payroll up, then that's what the PPP is mm -hmm. for. So uh, I really want to thank all of our guests that are have been here helping us. Thank mm -hmm. you to Terry, thank you to Jason, and thank you to Andrew, even though he's not here anymore. And we really appreciate you guys coming in and giving us the benefit of all your experience and knowledge. So next week, we're planning on talking about uh, safety practices for essential projects. We're gonna have some safety specialists on who are gonna help uh, navigate those new waters. Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna put up a poll for everybody if you would have some input. I think that we're starting to lose people right now. Yep. So if anybody for the following week would like to provide input for uh, the next session beyond safety, uh, we have challenges of working remotely, so we would talk about some best practices of remote work. Time uh, management, mm -hmm. tools, things like that. Uh, evaluating the labor needs, so basically balancing uh, our own workforce and also if there's another topic that you'd like to see covered that's not here you can put it in the text chat or you can email Janessa at ABC Westwall uh, and we would be happy to, to provide that so if you know of anybody who who would benefit from this information uh, feel free to share and, and we put it up on YouTube and it's on our website ABC's website as well uh, we're here to help uh, I feel like in a lot of ways this is we're doing more good than we typically do at this point in time. So uh, there we go. So challenges of working remotely. I feel like that's a, a pretty fair topic. There we go. Okay. So any any questions, comments, thoughts before we close it out?
Travis? Do we still have Travis? Travis, are you here? Maybe he had to go. Yeah, looks like we lost Travis. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for being with us. Uh, feel free to send me an email or, or if you have any questions, just jason at arcadewayfinding.com. Uh, good seeing everybody. Special thank you to Terry and to Jason Jackson and Janessa. Yeah, for, always thank you to Janessa who yeah. does a lot of the, the wizardry behind the scenes for us. Really appreciate that. So we'll see you all uh, next Thursday at this bat time. Yeah, and we'll be talking about safety. Take care. <laughs>